Hey, everybody. We've got a special announcement for you. We do. Uh, before the episode starts, we just wanted to let everybody know that the upcoming season of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars Season 8 is upon us. It's the 12th. May 12th. May Friday. 12th. Friday. And Paramount we, Plus. Paramount Plus. We have decided that we will be doing a recap episode. Because do you know what? podcast need is one more drag race recap absolutely we are filling the void (laughs) we saw that there was a need and we said hey who better to fill it than us you know what it's our favorite show it has been since 2009 and so hey we're just going to talk about it you know we're not going to critique drag because drag is an art and art is what subjective yes (laughs) (laughs) but we're here to recap it for you so it's going to be over on our patreon and uh, if you are a uh, Patreon subscriber at the $5 or above level, then you will have access to all of our Drag Race All-Stars recaps. Along with all of our other stuff that is on there, like the Watch With Us commentaries. Absolutely. And the newsletters. So the first episode of uh, the of the new season will be on our main feed. You'll be able to listen to that for free. And we're going to give you a little taste. Mm-hmm. And if you like it. Maybe you'll get addicted. We're like drug dealers. Uh, yeah. And then after that, you're going to have to pay us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, head over to patreon.com slash movies that made us gay for more information. But that's going to be starting very, very soon. So next week, uh, May the 12th, Friday, is going to be the first episode. And um, the following Sunday? Yeah, the- Sunday, Monday. I'm not quite sure when we're going to get them out. <laughs> yeah, the new episode mm-hmm. will be out. The bonus episode will we'll be get on. We'll get on a good schedule as they yes. start airing. Yes, indeed. And so listen to us uh, give our sparkling commentary on all these wonderful queens who we love so much. So check that out very, very soon. Uh, but until then, the new episode is just about to start right now. Well, nightclubs always have a certain core group of people who are fabulous, who dress up, get into clubs for free, and get all the free benefits of nightclub celebrity, free drinks, free admission. Um, in the 80s, it was the celebutants. These were kids on trust funds. It was the 80s, and everything was proper and very rigid and very set and everything like that. And um, and then Michael blew into town, and Michael was like this little baby Godzilla that was just stomping through clubland, destroying, you know. We were all horrified. We were all just absolutely horrified of this little monster who had just, who had just come out of nowhere and was, was, was intent on taking over, taking our scene away from us. You need me to promote this place. We'll see. You won't regret this. You've gone too far with the drugs. There's a fence, and they're watching around the clock. So you're just paranoid. Michael, where's my money? Anything or anyone missing? Angel. You should just turn yourself in. I'm getting away with murder, and you're just jealous. How do you do to support yourself? He's a drug dealer. Don't you want to know how I got rid of the bum? Okay, Mr. Psycho Killer. I'll play along. You're going to have to pay for all of this. Because of me, people know who you are. I've decided to make you my first superstar. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Welcome back. I'm very excited for this. I have been very excited for this. Yeah, this is going to be a fun, interesting episode. A little break in the format because we've never officially done two movies Well, on yes, the pod. Yes, we're doing one and a half movies, maybe. <laughs> but uh, children, legendary children, my name's Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these, these are, are the, the movies, movies that made us gay. gay. Welcome back to the show. Yes. Like I said, 
we're going to be talking about two movies today mm-hmm. with our friend Jesse from Cult Cinema Circle. Welcome onto the show. Welcome to the show. Hi, everybody. Oh, my God. I'm back, and I have even better audio now. I'm so excited. <laughs> You're really coming into your own on your show. I love it. 40 episodes, man. Wow. Like, it's it's crazy. I I'm, it. I'm very happy with it, and I'm so glad to have started this and do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Not to give away any spoilers or whatever, but I'll be having you guys on soon, and I'm branching out to have other guests on, you know? It's all good, but yeah, but thank you for having me on. I I campaigned very hard to get on this episode, and I think we'll have a good (laughs) conversation about it. Absolutely. This this conversation is going to be litty-titty, these movies. So wild. We're going to have the Club Kid conversation, because we double-featured on the show Party Monster, the shockumentary, and just the fictional... I mean, I guess just more of the theatrical release Party Monster from 2003. Both are directed by... Fenton Bailey and Randy Barbado. Mm -hmm. Very good. (laughs) World of Wonder. An an Englishman and I think an Australian or something. Early and early WoW. I mean, before WoW took over the world with RuPaul's Drag Race in 2009, they were making documentaries like Party Monster. And, mm-hmm. the and the eyes of Tammy, Tammy Faye. Don't Tammy, forget about and, that. And the girl. eyes of, of Tammy Faye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's get into it. So we're going to start the show and talking about Party Monster, the shockumentary, yes. because it was this. It actually was not my introduction to the material. The 2003 movie was my introduction to the story, and I later discovered the documentary in college. So. I'll go first for sur- for kind of first memories with these with this movie. Sure, this was a movie that I found off of Netflix discs in college. R.I.P. Netflix discs. If you want to get your Ugh, last Netflix discs this summer, they're going to stop doing it later this year. <laughs> but I think that I just found the documentary through just browsing just through browsing their catalog. And I was looking through LGBT cinema. So this, wait, so you saw the documentary before you saw the theatrical no, movie? I said, uh, I've, I saw the theatrical movie before, but we're going right. to start the show talking about the documentary. Okay. So I watched the documentary off Netflix. Yeah. And so I had seen the movie and then kind of got a bigger scope of the events from the shockumentary. Right. Mm-hmm. Pete, what about you? Um, I saw the, I saw the shockumentary first. Um, uh, some good friends of mine had it. They, uh, I think they rented it or they bought it. Somehow I just watched it and we watched it as we were getting ready to go out to the club. Fitting. Uh, Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, it was something that I had, I had a, all through high school, I had a, a subscription to Rolling Stone and then in college, I got a subscription to Spin Magazine. And oh, look at you with Spin. Correct me if I'm wrong, universe, but I'm pretty sure that it was the uh, December 96 issue of Spin and it had Billy Corgan on the cover from the Smashing Pumpkins and inside there was a Murder in Clubland article and it was all about Michael and he was there and he was in like children's pajamas in front of a like a carnival funhouse right like a like a moscow circus kind of okay you know, sure county fair funhouse mm-hmm. and it's him on a box wearing children's pajamas in front of this clubhouse and the 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 haunted house had a big like night on bald mountain like gargoyle devil over like looming over Michael. Now, is this something that would have been from like a club event? 
or was it no, an actual it was photo, a photo shoot? Spread. It was a photo shoot. And it was it was art, Scott. Okay. It was, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all the club events were art. Um, but I remember reading this in 1996. So I had this image in my head, and I remember reading about the murder about Angel and about Michael and all of this stuff and and reading these things about Michael being this like you know kind of weird and terrible like personality and and like admitting to the murder before he was uh, arrested for it and weird things like that and then the documentary came out and I was like oh I just put two two together and then uh, when the movie came out we went and saw that so I had seen the documentary first so and oh also um, I remember MTV used to show uh, Sex in the 90s I remember Sex in the 90s Sex in the 90s, in the yep. 90s Love that. was great it was uh, listeners if you're not familiar it was a, like a half hour special like once a quarter and they would just talk to people about like what are you doing how are you getting your rocks off and it would be kind of be like HBO real sex but skewed towards younger people God, and real sex was everything, sex though. Was everything. Oh my God, it was everything. Oh, Jesus. All the swinger parties and floppy penises. But uh, so, Sex in the Nineties, they had uh, one episode where it was kind of their club kid expose, and there was a, and I'll never forget. There was a guy who lived in Jersey, and he sold. He was a car salesman by day, and it followed him home, and he went and he changed his clothes, and he got on the train, and he went to Limelight. And Michael's there Mm -hmm. and, like, James is there and, like, you know, Sushi and, like, all these people. Richie, of course, they're all there. And it's just him saying, during the day, I sell cars, I wear a suit, you know, blah, blah, blah. But at night – and him, like, riding a skateboard, like, to the the subway and getting in to the club and just, like, this is, you know – gay sex crazy heaven whatever and so all of that was kind of like in the ether in the late 90s at the time i'm i'm in la i'm a little too young for you know being in the club scene at that time i would have been underage so i never really crossed paths with like a club kid i mean there was definitely still a club kid aesthetic even in la to this day mm-hmm. but yeah i mean glamorous monique is a thing is a thing yeah yeah uh, peter so i mean just saying you know just talking like this being unbotched <laughs> it's all good <laughs> do you know what i mean um so yeah so i had definitely had uh and when we did go to clubs in la like i said we didn't have the new york club kids but we had Jeffree Star and we Mm -hmm. had Apollo Star and we had the Cobra Snake and we had all these people around. And for us, that was our celebrity. It was like, oh, I just I just smoked weed with like Kelly Osbourne in the bathroom. And like I almost tripped over Jeffree Star's platform shoes, you know, and this is pre YouTube, pre all that stuff. Who is the one that was really obsessed with her friend Jen? That was Apollo Star, who yeah. was like uh, just a club promoter, but he was kind of a. Great wasn't guy. Clint? Wasn't Clint Catalyst another one that's like really still popular out there? Like he was kind of in that scene a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and he's still around. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought of that name in twenty years. But <laughs> listen, scene kid. That, that wasn't a scene kid, but I was obsessed. So, like, of course. MySpace and all yeah, that. But sure. I remember, like, yeah, Jeffree Star, Clint Catalyst. Mm-hmm. If you could have, like, a fucking MySpace profile, like, fucking whatever. It was great. But even yeah. there was something that predated that, yeah. um, like you were talking about. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, did did you see the movie first or, or the documentary first or the theatrical film? 
Yeah, so I am I am a, a young lad, and uh, when this movie came out, I was eleven, um, so I did not see it in the theater or anything. Yeah, but um, I think I probably uh, saw it on Sundance or IFC Channel first. Mm-hmm. And I saw the movie first, sure, okay. because of mm-hmm. course I knew who Macaulay Culkin was from you know Richie Rich and like sure. Uh, it I'm was, not a Home Alone person, and but it was I like him, Richie Rich. I was going to say, yeah, Richie Rich, you know, his big movie. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big um, deal. That one, yeah. And then, like, Seth Green I knew from Family Guy, I guess. I wasn't a Buffy person either. So, like, I was just like, oh, that guy. Oh, he. I think he's in, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, It. Like, okay, cool. But um, I was like, oh, they're gay. They're playing gay people? What the hell is this movie? Like, that's yeah. that's my introduction to it. And then it wasn't until very, very recently I actually watched this documentary all the way through. I kind of knew about it. But for me, like, that was – I always just had the movie. Like, you know, kind of like in my um, – yeah, you know, just kind of in my atmosphere and just right. knew about it. Right. And, you know, it is just such a – it's an odd thing, man. Like, you were talking because early WoW – this is before Drag Race was ever a thing and, yeah. and all that. And we'll talk about it probably, but uh, this movie is both kind of good and kind of not good, honestly, too. Yeah, but absolutely. We'll talk about it. Um, I mean, you know, Rue has been part of the WoW family for a long time. You know, Rue is there in all the club kids' appearances on Geraldo. You know, uh, Rue narrates... The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which was released in the year 2000. Mm -hmm. Um, So this family has kind of been in the crew. So they're a legit part of this crew, right? Yeah. And the thing is, um, a lot of this footage was not actually their original. And I cannot remember for the life of me. There is a a guy in the New York late 80s, early 90s club scene. And his whole gig was that he's the one who documented all. All of this shit. Yeah. There was Nelson Sullivan was, I think, his name. Yeah. I think that's who you're thinking of. Yeah. You can find a lot of his stuff on YouTube. Yes. Um, yes. All and of a it. lot of what his was was that he would just document his he life. He just had a camera. He unfortunately just, passed mm-hmm, away. Mm-hmm. And Fenton and Randy yeah. just sort of got their hands on it. Yeah. And all the all they that also footage, called it World of Wonder. It was called Nelson Sullivan's World of Wonder. Right, right. And so you can only imagine that. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, but all, all that footage of Rue showing up in New York for the first time and all that footage of him that's kind of famous footage now of him just like, you know, stomping through the streets and everybody say love and all that stuff. It's all there. And this guy, you know, shot it all, at, uh, you know, and like I said, in the late 80s and the early 90s. The timeline of not only the shockumentary, but of the feature film is so muddy. Yeah. It's so hard mm-hmm. to nail down. What the fuck year is it? The thing is, what we've nailed down is Michael Alec, James St. James, and superstar DJ Kiyoki are all born in 1966. Yeah. Okay. Andy Warhol dies in 1987. Kind of change the downtown scene. And that makes mm-hmm. them roughly 21. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say that, you know, Michael arrives in New York in 86 when he's 20, maybe 19, you know, maybe 85, 86, right? Mm-hmm. That shit is wild. 1985? Yeah. And these motherfuckers, like, and Angel Melendez ultimately is killed in March of 96. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a so good 10 years of Michael just a little under a ruling decade. New York mm-hmm. City. <laughs> right? Um, I find that conversation about New York nightlife 
to be really fascinating in the documentary when when Michael Musto talks about the death of Andy Warhol right. really changing the party scene downtown because this would have been coming off of the late 70s with disco yeah. and kind of going out in the clubs in New York, especially Studio 54, mm-hmm. where the huge celebrities at the time, like Diana yeah. Ross, John Travolta, yeah. Yeah. I mean, name Liza. Liza, name a huge celebrity <laughs> in the late 70s and 80s. Yeah. And right, right. They They're were the, the ones. They were the ones that you you wanted to see at the club. Right. And Michael and his little group of shitheads just kind of supplanted them in the late 80s. Of well, we didn't get to see. At least we got to see Michael Alec. Yeah. Brooke, Brooke Shields was not out and about, but mm-hmm. you know, these fucking idiots <laughs> in platform shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I find that so interesting. Like yeah. so fascinating. Yeah, I know. Sort of but the like evolution I said, of that. You know, here in, in LA, even in the in the two thousands when I was going out, like I said too, we were not looking for like, oh, there's like fucking Ashton Kutcher. Mm-hmm. We knew we weren't going to see them, but we knew we could see Jeffree Star. And we yeah. knew that maybe um, uh, Cobra Cobra Snake could take our Polaroid and it would end up on his website mm-hmm. the next day, you know, or Monday or whatever. And it's like, and when that shit happened, that was like, okay, bitch, go to Cobra Snake because so-and-so is there. And you're like, ah, I was there that night. So it's like we... Occasionally we would see, and it was LA. It was LA. We were in Hollywood, West Hollywood, Beverly Hills. Occasionally we'd see a celebrity, but to us, it was more about now MySpace is coming in, and now you know we're getting these, we're getting back into a celebutant era. You know, this mm-hmm. is the early days of you know all this is pre Paris and like, um, but you know we we would go to a club and like fucking Steve Aoki would just be like DJing on a Tuesday, and it's like oh that's Steve Aoki, he's coming up. And it's like now he's yeah, like also, ridiculous. Also, I think, too, the difference between like L.A. and New York or whatever. I mean, the thing is, is that you just have uh, more of a like uh, per capita or whatever the hell. But mm-hmm. like more celebrities are just in L.A. Right. So, right. so it's people are very a, disaffected by absolutely. it. They're just like, oh, girl, I saw this person like out. Yeah. You, you, you would see fine. them. Yeah. In the street. So seeing them in a and club then in New York, you don't see them as much. Right. They do live there. Right. But right. it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you just. Yeah, and maybe at that time, like you were saying, Andy Warhol dies in the late 80s, and then you got to have something to take it over, right? So, But it's mm, so crazy, too. Because, opportunists, right? Yeah, yeah hmm. absolutely. But it's like, but AIDS is looming oh, yeah. so mm-hmm. large that it's like, I think one of the biggest kind of aspects of the club kids scene and the party scene in New York, drugs was very high on the list but sex obviously look at their costumes look at what they're wearing it's mm-hmm. like we're we're here to celebrate like sexuality and fluid sexuality and, and all kind of stuff. but aids is huge like aids is huge yeah it's still in the middle of yeah. it the, the reagan administration in yeah. america kind of coming off of that going into the bush years rebe- rebelling against stuff like that so it looks like uh in 1988 peter Gation hires Michael to promote nights at Limelight Club USA in the tunnel. Yeah. In 88. In 88. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this is a year after, uh, roughly a year after Warhol dies. And Michael now is like moving into his like promoter phase as, mm-hmm. and having some power. Okay. So, and again, this is something where in the, in the movies, both movies, I'm just like, is it the nineties? I don't know. I can't yeah. tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't tell. 
Yeah, um, it's like the mid, it's the late 80s into the 90s, because I think that's when the club kids did have their heyday. Yes. And it was really bad. So, yeah, yeah I think your your timeline's right. I love the 60 Minutes Barbara Walters treatment on this. So I nice. mean, hey, you have to Look you have that. to get into the nitty a Peter Gation just looking like a Bond villain or... Somebody from like a, a JCVD movie. Love it. <laughs> he just needs a he just needs a cat to pet or a so, pig like in Spice World. So like there's a there's a full Peter Gation documentary, and I think that's on HBO Max or it's on something. And it kind it it kind of dovetails with this with the shockumentary because it fully goes into him and getting shut down by the feds and putting the padlock on limelight and all of that stuff and just his but the crazy thing is it's like i feel like he's gotten away with like everything i don't know yeah i don't know how much peter gation actually like took a fall for if he if he served any jail time it was minimal yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um so uh, I want to talk about – I mean we'll talk about it in uh, – when we get to the, the film proper. But I want to talk about Michael and to some extent James. But I, I feel like a lot of this falls on Michael. I want to talk about this kind of like lie that these club kids perpetuated. And the lie was this is a place for everybody. This is a place for if you feel different, if you ever got bullied, come and party with us and throw some glitter on that hump, honey, and like get on the dance floor. But the bunch of bullshit. But the reality was no. If they didn't Mm -hmm. like you, you're not even making it in through the door. Yeah, you Mm -hmm. were a poser, and if you were too much of a poser, like Angel Melendez, then. You know what I mean? Oh, and also <laughs> let's keep in mind too that uh, they're let's just say what let's call it out. Uh, the club kids are overwhelmingly white and Caucasian. Oh, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay, yeah. and so isn't it funny that it's somehow yeah? I'm just you saying, know Donahue, that that's a thing too. Yep. And let's also not forget that James St. James is a trust fund baby, absolutely. and he came from money. Absolutely. So absolutely. let's be real on that. You know, Donahue was one of the only people to ask this question when you know all the people in the audience are asking crazy questions and blah blah blah, and like who gets in, who gets turned away if you're wearing a suit. But no, if you have good energy, like you can get in even if you're wearing a suit. That's just drag. No, Donahue straight up is like, and do black people get in? Mm-hmm. And they're yep. and they're like, oh yeah, totally. Everybody gets in. Like it's so diverse. And it's like, look at the state. There are twenty club kids on that stage, and they're all white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and isn't it just inter- pointed out? Yeah. And isn't it interesting that the most Hispanic one ends up dead? Yeah, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yep. So, hmm. um, you know, and you want to perpetuate that. Yeah, and uh, we we haven't talked about the the wannabe club kids or the people who kind of broke in. Uh, Gitsy. Who later on becomes – is she his girlfriend, his muse? I don't know. Who knows? But this Gitsy character, this person, she's reading this letter from Michael from prison. And he says, uh, I got raped by a spick in the shower. And she just – you know? And it's like that kind of shit, that's some, that's some Jeffree Star shit right there. That's some like the casual racism that's just like I'm, – aren't I outrageous? Mm-hmm. Aren't I so crazy over the top that I just like bandy about like racial slurs? Don't take it so personal. And it's just funny. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that mm-hmm. a lot of that is Michael's personality of just like – the look at me, look how wild I am. I just say, I just say anything, and it's like I have no filter. Yeah, but that yep. just, but but that just makes you an asshole. <laughs> yeah, no, it really just makes him an asshole, and it makes him like fucking racist. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like 
here's my thing about Michael Alex. So I watched this shockumentary, right? Yeah. And I was just like, really? Like, how did, did anybody ever like this guy? Because mm-hmm. I swear to God, like, yep. I mean, like, and yeah, I don't understand it. I think he came off to me as somebody who very much was just a kid who was bullied, who, uh, you know, never really understood or wanted to really grow up. Yes, absolutely. Peter oh, yeah. yeah. Syndrome, like, and, and he just, like, always was, like, like you were saying, Pete, like, you know, look at me, look at me, look how crazy I am, look mm-hmm. at this. And I'm just like, yeah, but then guess where you ended up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but it's true. Yeah. Oh, we'll get into it. The self-infantilization is crazy first of all but i do want to touch on your point that like especially in the documentary especially you watch it and you're just like all these people are pieces of shit each and every one of them mm-hmm. brooke don't even fucking get me started i love brooke I hate her <laughs> brooke is such yeah. an asshole Why do you like her? no she's, no, she's the worst asshole. she's the worst but i just find her interviews to be really funny that i mean they're, they're you like her piercings is what yeah, I she's God. just such a kooky God. character you, you like the you like the big uh, box braids on a on a big fat white lady mm-hmm. oh jesus christ <laughs> oh no. my god she's the anyway, worst though so, yeah. <laughs> yeah all these people are awful james i mean James has some redeeming qualities. The thing about James is that he's very charismatic, and it's why he's had this longevity, is yeah, that yeah. he might be an idiot, but he's also really fucking hilarious, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's been able to spin it in a way where it's like, oh, look at me. I was just there, and da 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 That's what I was going to say. His like, hands well, are well, you're also clean. horrible, too. Like, <laughs> you're also not great, but, yeah, yeah. but you didn't kill anybody, I guess. You just wrote about it for money. Right, hmm. right. You know, but his hands are clean. I mean, he and – the, and the movie really paints him out to be like, I'm leaving. I'm not having any part of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's like – <laughs> Which didn't happen necessarily, and we'll get into the movie because Seth yeah. Green did a very well, good job, I think. But yeah, yeah I, I do want to talk about, uh, and Scott and I were definitely talking about this: is their portrayal in the documentary, and their portrayal of James and Michael as kind of the central relationship or friendship. You know, mm-hmm. I think. Making the documentary into a narrative piece, they have to – they're using what they have. They really then, have to zero in on their friendship yeah, just because yeah. that's a that's your way in as and, an audience member. Well, the yeah. other interesting thing is the film says, based on the book Disco Bloodbath by James St. James. It does not say it adapted from – There's no – the documentary. The documentary is not, not listed in the credits as an adaptation. I mean it is the directors of the documentary, so I guess that – And they lift dialogue – directly out of people's mouths and turn it into a narrative scene. You know, Kiyoki's sitting there saying like, oh, and I was just thinking blah, blah, blah. And then there they are saying it in the movie as like, as if that's how it happened. Where he's just relating to us, the audience of, this is what I remember. Um, They also used like literal archival footage for the subway scene. They did, yeah. They just reused it (laughs) It from the documentary. It was too expensive to get everyone down the New York subway. (laughs) This movie was on a budget. Yeah. Clearly. And and that's our only film appearance of uh, who's that character that I love? He was Clara the Chicken. <laughs> um, Ernie Glam. <laughs> Our only film appearance is Ernie Glam is the archival footage in the in the subway party, the outlaw party. Yes. I love the whole note of 
the these, costumes. The costumes. Claire the chicken. That's such a stupid club kid thing that if yeah. you were out at the club, you would think that would be fucking hilarious. Yeah. If you saw a, a guy, someone in a chicken suit in like a go-go cage. Yeah. But you of know, course, because you're on drugs, you're yeah. on ketamine and acid and LSD. And, like, and Ernie of course, you're gonna think that shit's funny. And Ernie Glam says, "And I got chosen to be Clara the Chicken." And it's like, okay, first of all, just dancing in a packed club in regular clothes is like death. Now you're in a fucking chicken suit. And I mean, at least the at least the Go Go Boys get to dance in like a jockstrap. Yeah. So it's like, mm-hmm. how? So is that Michael's way of like, oh, Ernie, fuck that guy, Man, put him in the chicken suit? Do you know what I mean? Maybe you might be on something there you know because I mean? that's very true. Because <laughs> he's probably the one saying you're going to do this, you're going to do this. When he wanted to punish James, like you're going to be the drug child in a cage all night long at the club, you have to be in a fucking cage. With the sign that yep. says "Do not feed the drug child," it's like these are punishments. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're yeah, exactly. They're they're um, not sacraments, but whatever that other thing is, religious, whatever the hell, uh, um, penance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so you know, Michael, his persona in the documentary is one of like. And this was in the article, the spin article, and I, I read about it in different places. It's this thing where he would just go around – and Michael Musto talks about it. He just would go around and tell people like, yeah, we called Angel. Yeah, we did it. And then I he'd mean, be like, oh, hi, I'm just kidding. I mean there's footage in the in the documentary Yeah, that yep, it's there. where he admits it. Yeah. And he's like, JK, LOL. Yeah. And it says like three months before he was arrested. So It's like, what is that? So dur- what is so that? For the spin article, was he in jail? I don't remember. This was 25 years okay. ago. <laughs> probably about to go on trial and yeah, that's I could why probably find it a and bit. that's why they probably it, yeah. probably or it's just been arrested or indicted or whatever yeah. yeah um but yeah so he 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 really does come off as this kind of like why are people following him why is he so charismatic because is he even charismatic and my thing about that <laughs> that we when we were just watching clips of him on talk shows is that he's not even a fun interview like he just sits there and he doesn't even say anything. I mean, at least James is like a kooky character and he's and he's like kind of giving this colorful commentary. But whenever like Phil Donahue asks him a question, it's usually one short sentence of a response. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also would like the viewers to know that I'm looking at your shirt right now, Scott, and it's Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I, I love it. It's so good. Oh, for, for this um, audio medium. Yeah, I'm yeah. Uh, another another thing about these people being like pieces of shit in the documentary is that you know I guess the culmination of the scene and what kind of like brought it all tumbling down is the murder in Clubland, right? And it's like okay, I I get it. Angel was a drug dealer, but like he's a fucking person, dude. Mm-hmm. Like when his brother oh comes on in the movie no yeah my god this hit this so sad his cute little mullet yeah Yeah. oh and you know my god i love and you know like these people are telling these stories about like and i heard that the body was like this and that and they just keep referring to him as like the body and like and kind of laughing about it and you're like you know it's fucking disgusting you know you're talking about someone who actually was murdered brutally yeah literally and you're just yeah, being like literally. oh and you know he bought this tv so he could have this big box and, and i got that tv and it's, it's like, in my apartment right now that's not yeah 
don't it's say so that. flippant and so disrespectful, <laughs> yeah. and I don't understand it. And I don't care what fucking drugs you're on. Yeah, like, that's so fucking crazy. And so and I always, that. yeah, I always thought that Natasha Leone's characterization of Brooke was like, did she even watch the documentary? But I think she's kind of making her an idiot on purpose. I think she was like, fuck this bitch. I really bitch. hope so. Fuck this bitch. I'm gonna make her look so stupid. And yeah, <laughs> she kind of does. No, it's. And also to not to jump too far ahead, but I mean, <laughs> here's the thing though too. We'll talk about it. I mean, again, I'm a white gay guy, so whatever. But like, <laughs> I mean, Michael got out of jail in 2015. Yeah, white privilege. Yeah, I'm just absolutely. yeah. yeah. Period. Absolutely. If he was any other kind of color, yeah. I guarantee you, he probably would have been. He's not making parole. Her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, both. Just saying. Both like, Michael. Right. Both Michael and Freeze um, were offered a plea deal. That if they accepted manslaughter and pleaded guilty for manslaughter, then it would be 10 to 20. And if it yeah. was like first degree murder in the first or whatever, it would have been life would have been on the on, an option. You know? Right. So right. they both took the plea mm. and said, okay, we will plead guilty to manslaughter. And so he did – what did he do? 15 years? Like 17, 17 yeah, years, not I much. think? Yeah, I think he did 17 But again – I my my point still stands. I feel like because oh no, absolutely, again, oh no, yeah. yeah. If it was anybody else, would yeah, have, but you're right. You're would right. Would they have totally. even gotten? Like, the you might as well get yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And um, I mean, he did pass away in 2020 uh, at the age of 56. What, what year did he get out? 2015. 15. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Yeah. yeah. So he was 56 when he died. Um, yep. It's but it's like he did a lot of drugs mm-hmm. <laughs> and he did a lot of crazy. drugs. Well, and also the thing, too, with that is that, yeah, he died in 2020. And, again, I want to keep it light. I don't want to make it depressing or whatever. But it really also (laughs) shows that, like, this is some of the shit that queer folks deal with. I mean, he's a horrible queer person, and we don't claim him very much. But it's like, yeah, but no, he, at the end of the day, was a drug addict. And Mm -hmm. he didn't really have any other skills to use after he got out. Yeah. So he tried going back to something that was honestly kind of dated at that point and then right. he still ended up dying of a drug overdose so yeah. mm-hmm. it's still kind of sad because of like yeah he never actually got sober 15 years in jail and you can never actually right. yeah. give up mm-hmm. shit yeah. okay mm. you know and it kind of begs that question too that when you do watch those Geraldo and Donahue episodes a lot of the people in the audience are just like what are you going to do with your life like are you can't do yeah. this forever Mm-mm. you know mm-hmm. And it's like James St. James is one person out of all yeah. those people, like Richie Rich, you know. RuPaul is like yeah. her own special type yeah. of unicorn, yeah. too. Richie Rich. It's true, yeah. Yep. I, I don't know if Richie Rich had had financial gains behind him to start they, Heatherette. But... I think they went on to do Heatherette. Yeah. Um, so that's something that like Richie Rich did, mm-hmm. for example. And yeah. but yeah, a lot of these other people who were club kids. I mean, Amanda Lepore obviously yeah. being gorgeous. And but there's there's I mean, a handful but... of them out of so many that are just like exactly. There's only know? so many who yeah. actually would able or maybe I think like Walt Paper. He strikes me as a guy who like probably went and like did something in fashion or some shit. You know what I mean? Maybe you go into that. Walt's realm. interviews um, in you the know, documentary. You didn't actually do anything bad. You were just a club kid. Walt's interviews in the documentary are so funny. Which ones? He's he's the one who's like uh, right after the murder. Michael dyed his hair black. Or dyed his hair red with manic panic, and manic the, panic stains your hands. He has the eye makeup, right? And incidentally, yeah. so does blood. <laughs> yeah, he wears the eye makeup. <laughs> I love your I love your imitation of it. It's so good. He's like, I don't know. 
don't know. So does blood. (laughs) But he's right, Manic Panic. And uh, there's a scene in the movie of like Freeze is painting the walls red afterwards because they got blood on the wall. Yeah, they got blood on the wall, so Mm -hmm. they just painted the wall. These two fucking idiots like have no concept. Not only are they idiots, but they're high out of their minds. So they're just like, okay, we'll just fucking paint the walls and dye our hair. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's how we'll cover this shit up. Um, yeah, but uh, my- Michael and uh, James are now going to become the kind of focal relationship. And it's like, I think the movie kind of gives them this kind of frenemy relationship. Like, James's whole thing is like, okay, I'll let you hang around with me, but I really don't like you. Um, so what are our backgrounds with the movie? Pete, you saw it, you saw saw it the in the theater. Did. did you see this at the Sunset Five? No, I saw it at the Lamely in Pasadena. Oh, okay. The, uh, yeah, the Playhouse. Um, we saw this in the theater. Uh, this, let me tell you, this fucking soundtrack Oh yeah, to this movie. I remember listening to the CD with you and your old and your old truck. Yeah, when I first met you, this fucking soundtrack was everything. We played it to death. We all went out and bought it, the CD, because that was when it, this came out. Um, we we knew the story was crazy. We knew, like we said, this whole impetus of this movie is someone's murder, and this is a real adaptation of real events, but. The spectacle of Macaulay Culkin is back. Well, that was a lot of press at the time because I remember when I was in high school. This came out when I was a senior. It was released September 5th, 2003. So senior year of high school. But I remember reading a lot of press right up to its premiere at Sundance early 2003 that it was Mac's first movie since Richie Rich. Yeah. That they got Macaulay Culkin out of retirement. Seth Green's in it. Chloe Sevigny. Was hot, very very she was hot. On fire in the early two thousands, yeah. right off of her yeah. Oscar nomination for Boys Don't Cry. Yeah. Chloe Sevigny, sort of club kid adjacent. She's a little younger than all of them, right, right. but very involved in sort of the New York club scene at the time. Yeah, she's about a year yeah, older than yeah. me, and I think the thing is that she would just get in underage, mm-hmm. you know. And people did get in underage if you were cool enough and whatever. Um, and so the idea of of all of these really cool people being involved. It's a queer story. There's gay people in it. There's, there's, there's men in wigs and makeup and Marilyn Manson is there. And, and, and Macaulay Culkin, who had this career, he was the biggest child star mm-hmm. in America. And he just said, I'm done. Yeah. I'm not going to act anymore. After Richie Witch, he just I'm walked away. Transition mm-hmm. into being an adult actor. And this was his choice to come back. And I remember, it was a huge fucking deal because Macaulay Culkin, his introduction in this movie is smoking crack and drag. Mm-hmm. And this is his huge mainstream comeback. And I was just like... His return. Work. Return, Pete. Work. <laughs> I hate that word. Um, it's return. Um, I was just like fucking work, bitch. Smoke that crack with your butt hanging out in bloody ass drag. With your eyebrows Absolutely. Blocked, you know? You so, might as well. So it was fierce, all that stuff. But, you know, and and then I think we were just kind of like, we forgave the movie a lot of its shortcomings mm-hmm. just because I was so excited about these mainstream actors portraying these queer fringe 
weirdos Mm -hmm. you know i was like the club kids need to be seen the club kids are so cool like it's so underground everybody needs to know the story um so don't worry that macaulay culkin's performance is bananas not great in my opinion (laughs) not good Mm -hmm. he has the look down and it just so happens that michael alleg looked like Macaulay Culkin just looks like young Michael Allen. Yeah. He just does. It works. They're and both I, skinny. Really they're both mm-hmm. that, you know, all that. There's some bizarre um, character yeah. choices, and I feel like Fenton and Randy, who directed it, probably not a lot of experience with major movies and working with actors that... Zero. Yeah. That I feel <laughs> yeah, like zero. Mac's performance just sort of... It needed to be reined in. It needed to be reined in. Yeah. And I don't think that those two could do it. Oh no, not at all. Like because they were they did documentaries and then they've gone on to make uh, I'm sure millions of dollars with Drag Race in some yeah. way. Um but like yeah, no, this was just Yeah, no. It was crazy. Yeah. He was way better in Saved, just saying. <laughs> but um right. It just was. He made know, saved. He I could at least be after. like Roland. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. But yeah, no. Yeah. And 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 Seth to um you know, this is one of those things that is that, that like at the time were, were people saying that these roles were brave. Is it brave that the two of them are showing their asses? And meanwhile, a movie? meanwhile in t- 2023, I feel like these two would be dragged. So oh, you hard. couldn't. You, you couldn't. You couldn't no. cast both of these you roles have, with no. these two. Never. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just mad that th- this 90 minute movie about club kids. We only get to see Mac in a jockstrap once. Mm-hmm. You only get to see his bare ass in like one in like one shot. I know. <laughs> All right. Like, like, why? A lot like, more jock straps. Not to. Yeah, in scene. All right. I mean, we've kind of hinted about our feelings about the movie, but confession: I had not watched this movie. I feel like maybe both of us watched it once, like ten years ago. But I have we not really it. sat down and watched this movie probably since I rented it on DVD when I was working at the video store uh-huh. in Lewistown and revisiting it now. I hated it. I did not <laughs> like it. And I was kind of shocked of Good, how live your truth. of how it revisited that it's way better in my mind looking back on it. And it's also one of those things that when I first watched it in 2003, I went into it without a club kid context. And later the documentary helped immensely. And it does the movie kind of a big disservice if you go into it not really knowing anything because I feel like all of the events, they're not done very well too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, okay. First off, I have to say that this movie, like a lot of indie movies of the era were shot on high definition video. Okay. And this is not shot on film. And when you watch high definition video from the early two thousands on a 4k HD TV. It looks like garbage. It looks like shit. It looks like a high They school. also formatted it weird it's where like weird the, ratio, the um, yeah. ratio was mm-hmm. weird too. I was watching on Peacock and I was like, what the hell is yeah. this? Like, what is and going on? And you see on? that, uh, I mean, all of those movies revisit like this. I mean, this was the same year as 28 Days Later. Danny yes. Boyle shot mm-hmm. 28 Days Later like this. Pieces of April, a movie that... Yep. Kind of, I have a soft spot for. We watch it. We watch it every Thanksgiving. But that movie looks like trash. Yeah, yeah. They look bad. They look like they look like home movies. They look like home movies. And the problem with it is that something about film. I don't know. But even sitcoms now look 
feel I don't know. It just you're watching it, and sometimes the dial. A lot of it is a script. A lot of it is their crazy, over the top performances, like delivery, and then combined with the way it's shot, just makes it feel like these little sketches. We're it looks gonna, like a, we're going to put. It together. feels like a, a film school one hundred and one. Yes, absolutely. Class project, absolutely. But mm-hmm. these are legit. I've seen actors. Yeah, I've <laughs> seen the reviews on Letterboxd say this is the weirdest RuPaul's Drag Race acting challenge. Yes, yeah. it absolutely I think feels that like that. We mentioned that when we were watching it. That it gives us because <laughs> I maxi challenge. It gives us maxi challenge <laughs> acting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I will give Seth Green a little bit of credit though because he does talk about this movie in a Vanity Fair video, I think, where he okay. talks about his other films. And he did say, like, one of his things is he likes to bring a character that some people may not find very likable, and he wants to give them a heart. And in a way, I mean, yeah, this movie is not great, but he also, I think, out of him and Mac, I think is the better actor. Yeah, yeah. sure. Honestly. Mm-hmm. And I at least am like, okay, I don't think some of this actually happened, but like, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, but I also think I'm just like, okay, but I care about, I care about that character where I'm just like, okay, you are trying to get out of this a little bit, or you're, you have the wherewithal to understand that it's not good for you to drive uh, a truck on uh, drugs. <laughs> and he's like, oh dear God, you know? And like, this kind of stuff where he's just like, well, Michael, I'm broke, you know, and yeah. like, I can't, what do you mean? Like yeah, all this stuff. So he gives, a, I give him a little bit of credit of like, Seth Green, you are a better actor. So good right. for you. I'm, right. I'm happy. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, we didn't talk about uh, Michael's mother, Elkie. We love Elkie. <laughs> My little, my little candy man. My little candy man. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Is she is she Swedish or Danish? She's or, actually the, she's the woman. Elke is German. Yeah, Elke Alig is. German. I think it is. Yeah, when you look it Alec. up on Wikipedia, um, it says it says that she was born in Germany. Um, Played by Diana Scarwood Diana from, Scarwood of Mommy, from Dearest. Mommy Dearest in Psycho yeah. 3. I am not mm-hmm. one of your fans. Um, Why did you adopt me? <laughs> it's very good. So the thing is, but that's another thing. This character it, or this woman in the documentary is so kind of. She has the most compelling interviews out of everyone, in does. my opinion. She does. Mm-hmm. She's, a, she's a little full of shit. But sure. she. <laughs> But Michael's her son. But though. Michael's her son, mm-hmm. and you know, you you kind of get that. And there's there's love there, and she really, and, but she does not give a fuck. She is not like we don't yeah. know, blah blah blah. She's just like he called me and said murder, something him about, up in a little bit, something about angels dead murder. I didn't really get it. Yeah, <laughs> she is not holding back. <laughs> I did not understand. I, I, I just I did don't not understand. understand. Little tiny pieces and blood everywhere, and you're like, all right, Elky, <laughs> zip it. Um, so the, the character's a lot more present in the documentary. And in the film, she's a little bit more sidelined. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diana Scarwood is funny. But but there, but when you do the research, those interviews are there. She's there on Geraldo saying she's, like, oh, I, j- I had a headache and he gave me a pill and mm-hmm. <laughs> my headache went away. Footage of her at yeah, Michael's and she has that, Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, she has that dramatic part of the movie where, you know, she says, I came in a stretch limo mm-hmm. and I'm not leaving, you know, whatever. On a bus. I'm yeah. not leaving in, on a bus, right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, Michael, even he pulled his mom through this bullshit. Like, are you kidding yeah. me? Like, Yeah, mm. absolutely. And that that's something specifically, another one of those instances where it's like, there are lines 
of dialogue mm-hmm. where they talk about something and then they kind of turn it into like a, like a, an event or and you know a what fictional. it's a, it's something that they do better in a movie like The Eyes of Tammy Faye that came out last year with Jessica Chastain and that's what happens when Fenton and Randy handed off their documentary to people that actually make movies that can make <laughs> a cohesive narrative script out of the events of their story. And don't get me wrong, like, The Eyes of Tammy Faye also has its problems. Flawed, yeah. It's very it flawed yeah. that sometimes I think it kind of mushes around some facts about Jim and Tammy. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, mm-hmm. I think the movie works really well at building a narrative. And the best scenes of Tammy Faye is when they directly do scenes from the documentary. Yeah. That they're doing Agreed. it they line, them, they're doing yeah. it line for line, and see, it's, and that's what this yeah. didn't do. It didn't no. recreate shots from the documentary. It turned them into. They like retold the story as if that's how it I happened. Mean, partly because yeah. they didn't actually film it, right? Like they didn't actually right. follow around Michael for the documentary. They yeah, were taking yeah. other people's footage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So Scott pointed out as we're watching it, the character that. Mac is giving us the Michael Alec that we see in the movie where he was like, this isn't, I can't, the, this isn't the Michael. That, I don't think it is not. It is a Michael. It's not the same person. It's not the same person in the documentary. And I think it was one of those things that they felt like, well, we got Macaulay Culkin, like beloved child actor. We can't make him seem unlikable. So they almost mm-hmm. kind of made up this weird version of Michael. Yeah. Just out it, of it was out of fear of making him just off-putting. But that's the character of Michael Alec. Is that Michael exactly. Alec is a bad seed shithead. And they mentioned <laughs> that numerous times in the documentary of yeah. just, you yeah. know, he was just kind of a terrible person. Yeah. That's how the documentary ends. That's James the funniest James part. literally yeah. says like he's always been awful. It just took people 10 years to realize. <laughs> and I'm could, like, yeah. And it's yeah. kind of too bad that that wasn't worked into the story because that is a compelling character is why were all of these people following around this person who was terrible? Yeah. And I, I think it was know. because we got this one to be the lead in the movie and we can't make him unlikable. You know, yeah. um, I remember at the time, though, a lot of people, especially a lot of my friends who are not familiar with the documentary, were like, we know Seth and Mac are straight and they are playing these characters fucking wild. They were like, and my friends, my straight friends are like, don't you think that their portrayal is just like so crazy caricature? Like, woo, we're gay. Ha ha ha. And I was like, well, no, you guys don't get it because when you watch the documentary, they're weird. They're wild. Cause James St. James's delivery is very crazy. You know, his actual, yeah. it's, a very, it's a very specific way of talking. Yeah, mm-hmm. But Seth is not doing that. He's kind of doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Slightly. Yeah. So it, uh, it did get flack at the time. You know, I know my friends were just like, what is going on? Why are they, why are they doing that? Yeah, um, totally. And, I, and, and I also, like, I think they toned down the drug use, apparently. <laughs> they were like, oh, like, well, that's what IMDb says, to so take it with a grain of salt. But yeah, they yeah. even said, like, if we actually showed as much drugs as they did, mm-hmm. sure. uh, they wouldn't believe it. And it's like, well, even in the documentary, like, Ma- Michael literally says, like, he was on all these different things every day. 
I think he said he roofied himself. Like, did well, he? Well, like, he talks about he says he says ropenol, and that's rohypnol, yeah. and rohypnol is roofies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, well, the thing you're about, literally roofing yeah. yourself. The thing about roofies is just that, yeah, if taken with alcohol, you pass out and you don't remember what happens. But I guess some people would want to do that. And I don't think really Michael and them drank that much. So I think it was just like, no. and there's in the documentary, there's even a girl, like there's somebody interviewing a girl and he's like, Oh, what are you doing? And she's like, Oh, can I talk about all that cake? And, and she says like, she says we're hypnol. And you're just like that date rape. Drug. <laughs> Why are you taking Like you want to really do that to yourself? Yeah. Like, okay. But I don't know if it was something that they would remember or not, but that's something that James says. The first time I did K, I was like, why would I want to do this? Why would I want to feel like this? This is awful. And then, and then, and then you're, and, and, then, it. and then you're Queen Victoria <laughs> wandering through Buckingham Palace. Yeah. yeah. And then you're, and then you're, you know, pouring it into your Pyrex, shoving it in the oven. Can you believe that shit? And check- I mean, I've never been really into doing any drugs, like weed on occasion, <laughs> if someone gives me like a hit, a hit, but. Special K is like that is some nasty shit. Like breaking breaking into breaking into vets' offices mm-hmm. and like stealing horse tranquilizer. That is hardcore. Pouring it into the Pyrex and baking it in the oven, and then straight up just like who do you, think, right, who do you think figured that? shit Somebody out? invented that. Some some crackhead chemist. Some, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> some some druggie who was like just like hey, or maybe some veterinarian who was like hating his life or her life. And was like, yeah. yeah, let's just do this. We um, even I I specifically have memories of my friends and I when we first watched the doc. My friends Ray and Jen when, when we were watching it together. The scene when they are cooking K in the oven, and they cut to Michael and James opening the oven twenty times. Is ready yet? Is ready yet? Is ready? Just constantly open because they're just like they need that fucking K. We're just like, oh my god, these. Beans cannot wait however long it takes. And they're just opening it and opening it and looking and looking and looking. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. And these shitty, disgusting New York apartments. Mm-hmm. That's something that they don't get right in the movie at all. Filled with. I agree. It's just gross New York apartments. Yeah. Filled with, like, mm-hmm. clothes and, like, children's toys on the walls and, like, weird shit. Like, when you look at what's going on in the dock of Michael's apartment, it's fucking wild. And then he somehow gets a penthouse, and I'm just like, I don't think I don't know if Peter Gay should ever actually bought him a penthouse. No, that's like too much. Like, yeah, yeah, that's too much. Okay. Um, okay, so uh, Dylan McDermott as Peter Gay. I mean, I guess <laughs> I love Dylan sure. McDermott. Yeah, I guess it works. <laughs> let's mm-hmm. go with it. He's a little, working. a little too handsome. Maybe he was on. He yeah. what was his big? Uh, what was his big lawyer show that he was making yeah, around this time? The practice. The practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So I had read that the character of his wife, played by played by Mia Kushner, Mia Kushner. from Not Another Teen mm, Movie. I love her. Mm-hmm. I read that that was originally cast and almost shot with Lucy Liu. Oh, interesting. And she could have worked. She quit. Yeah. And she quit or she got fired. I don't remember what happened, but it was back in the days when, oh. back in the days when Lucy Liu was, was, um, difficult, quote unquote. 
Yeah. She had a she had a period where she was difficult, you know, and it was around that time. And they were like, and she was going to be in it, but she was replaced at the last minute by Mia Kirshner. And I'm like, that would have been so fierce if it was Lucy Liu. I would have been scared it of that so bitch. Good. I would have been so yep. scared of her if I was Michael Alec. <laughs> like, oh shit. Right? Like, wouldn't you? Like, yeah, that's that's the one Charlie's angel. Like, my, I would be too. My husband She's and I. So I love her. Yeah. My husband and I don't socialize with <laughs> with the employees. <laughs> But Mia Kirshner is also an icon. Oh yeah, because, absolutely. You know, I'm scared of her. Yeah, like I'm not another team movies yeah. like you were like you were saying. Yeah. Um I'm definitely scared of yeah. Mia Kirshner. <laughs> oh, my God, the so L word. Fabulous. Yeah, yeah. The Black um, Dahlia. Yeah. 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 There was a moment. Yes. Um, but I love every time they cut to Peter Gation. It's you know, because he's the owner of the limelight. And the limelight in New York City was famously in a church. Yep. Right? And yes, so it was. his office this is office like in the belfry there's yeah. like these like church mm-hmm. like windows behind his desk they're like okay quasimodo yeah. like peter gation's office is like up in the towers in the in the in the belfry of of, of the limelight i don't know exactly Maybe it was probably a little bit more boring than that but they needed to give us something you know <laughs> to dress it up a little bit but um yeah, so we get we get Dylan McDermott as uh, as Peter Gation, which is fun casting. We talked about Chloe Sevigny playing uh, Gitsy, right? Yes, Michael's girlfriend, uh, best friend, and Chloe Sevigny. Of that, when I revisit this movie now, if I was her representation, I would be like, "Girl, what the fuck are you doing in this? What the fuck are you doing in this movie?" <laughs> yeah, I agree. You're in it for mm-hmm. two minutes. You are in it, in it for two minutes. You're you saying- are doing. Three days worth of work on this movie. Yeah. I think that we can get you something a little better. Yeah. She's got, like, no dialogue. Mm-hmm. She's also, like, kind of, like, made into, like, a teen in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't quite work. I got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the the real Gitsy is wild, first of all. Because this chick... The real Gitsy yes. who this died, chick, oh who gosh. died like probably a mere months after she did the interview with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Because it's written also weirdly enough looks like Michelle Williams, like down <laughs> a little bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but a little bit more like trashy, like a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, like yeah, the, real, the real Gitsy looked a little. She looked a little trashy. She looked a little rough. She, she was on rough. heroin by the she way. She looked so a little rough. She was, yeah. She died of a drug overdose weeks after the <laughs> after her appearance in the movie. So yeah, you're right. You're right about that. But she did look a little. Rough. I feel so bad for that young man who, in the documentary, the boyfriend uh, was struggling. Battling drugs, yeah. Mike, uh, whatever his name was, and uh, also we have not touched on this yet, but they made Michael Alec buy. Apparently, I don't know. Like that was our fuck? question. Like, is mm-hmm. he is Gitsy his girlfriend? Is yeah. he having sex with her? Is it just like this relationship that they're just are, like? Are they are they into water sports like that? I know he pissed on someone. He before, pissed on everyone. Like he Michael Alec pissed, he on, pissed on everyone. He made everyone mm-hmm. drink his own piss. But um, so that. The, the the pee drinker, um, yeah that that whole that whole situation that scenario is questionable. I think I think to me, in twenty twenty three, it's just they were fascinated by each other. They Michael just needed somebody to be obsessed with him, and he found that in her, mm-hmm. and so he took her everywhere and adopted <laughs> which her. Which is as, which is a really interesting relationship, not explored in the movie. Yeah. Because he does it's not, he yeah, it's he not does at all. Say, it's, like, he's, he's made to be, yeah. Because yeah. like he says to Kiyoki, "You can be my new boyfriend." He says the th- the same thing to Gitsy. "You can be my girlfriend." So that implies to the audience, especially in two thousand four, whenever this came out, 
that they're that's going to be their boyfriend and girlfriend but yeah i don't think that that was the real relationship and they did conflate the two like you said the guy the drug addict guy from the very end of the documentary who was michael's final boyfriend Mm -hmm. he was the one that michael was with when he got arrested but in the movie they they made it gitsy um, yeah, pulled him out of bed. Yeah, with Gitsy, but in the in reality, he was with this boy Michael. But that guy seemed like a piece of shit too, because he was the one that was like, yeah. "Oh, freeze, fuck the body," and you're like, "Oh my god!" All but right, I also, but he was also going through drugs, and I think mm-hmm. Michael just took him like uh, whatever. Uh, I, I will go back to yes, the pee drinker was there, but also there was the whole thing of <laughs> how in the documentary, uh, Brooke talks about how. Um, Michael pissed on some worker mm-hmm. at yeah. Limelight or whatever. Girl who was, who and was then bartending. she went to Peter mm-hmm. to go complain, and then she got fired. And yeah. she thought it was funny. Yeah, just, just cackling. Just cackling at it. Uh, uh, awful. But you know that's the other thing. Like the the Michael's friends. You know, Lahoma, who was a drag queen, and she was a. Um, uh, I think she was a host. At Limelight, who is not a piece of shit? I don't think. No, no, no. She nice. seems fine. Yeah. Loved her. Yeah, Lahoma just seems kind right. of a, a fun yeah. club personality. Yes. Seemed like a very normal person. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she said, she was like, also in those Nelson Sullivan videos. Mm, yes. she was also in some yeah. of those. Oh, yeah, absolutely, she goes way back with with all of them and Bunny and all of that. And Bunny's there in the documentary. Um, um, hosting they're hosting the hot, the hot body contest, hot right? Body and King and Queen of Manhattan. And this specifically was the party um, Disco 2000, right? Yes, I think mm-hmm. that was Disco 2000, yeah. Because that's where we get – that's – oh, and, and I think those are at the tunnel. They I show think. a flyer mm-hmm. of Disco 2000 and it says at the top December 1992. And that's where it says, like, in the documentary. So that's when that was kind of going around. I so. think that they uh, – they, Mock up the poster for Party Monster for that. Well, it's the real for that flyer. The real poster is Jenny Talia, the bald. The real poster where she's eating Michael's Love brains. Love her. Yeah, she's eating Michael's brains and she's got it on a fork and she's completely bald. And then for the movie, they use Chloe and she has a little bob haircut. And they're also uh, they're eating honey, which is a reference to the party of the honey trap. The honey trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so they kind of mix a lot of a lot of these metaphors. Jenny Talia is another fucking kook that you're just like love her. Oh my god, <laughs> you were her insane. and Screaming Rachel. Oh, we oh, haven't talked about Screaming Rachel. Rachel. Icon. Icon. Okay, so break down <laughs> Screaming Rachel. Like, who exactly is Screaming Rachel, and how does she fit into the events of the story? Screaming Rachel is a lady who in New York um, was a part of this club scene in some way, shape, or form, and by in the club scene, I think she snuck her way into a party one time went and <laughs> she got cozy with her with um michael kind of and she decided kind of like how you know love roller coaster has the screaming in the back mm-hmm. and all those urban legends you've ever heard um she decided that once all of this drama was going down with michael and all them um she would release a single called murder in club land um and uh it would literally have like a weird like track under it of like where is angel michael or all this kind of shit and they read her at the end of the documentary because she's trying to push this out and they said that her sales are slow saturday the tabloids sold out Michael, and Angel disappeared without a sight. So what, what are you were shady for that? Jade. But it's fine. Mm-hmm. Shade. Exactly. But uh, that's who Scream Rachel is. And apparently she was even friends with him up until his death. Because apparently 
they would do like Zoom shit for club oh, shit, really? whatever. And she was somebody who was invited. Oh, interesting. So, who knows? Okay. That's because we were trying to locate. We were trying to track down Scream and Rachel. We wanted to find the track, but you know. Since sales were so slim, it's not, not available on, on iTunes on yet. Spotify. Exactly. <laughs> you can't get it. You can't get it on iTunes. Yeah. Can't get it on Spotify. Yeah. You may have to pay someone on eBay to do it. The shade of them put, putting that little love post, her, postscript. They, love her. They did not include her in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's not in the, she's not not. In the theatrical. Do we want to talk a little bit about uh, the casting of, of Kiyoki? Wilmer. Wilmer would have been very hot at the time. That uh, 70s show never. would have been currently airing. So Pete yeah. and I are revisiting that 70s show. We're in the middle of a rewatch. We're in the middle show. of a rewatch. I love that for you guys. Yes. You know what's wild about that 70s show that I never really what? thought about it? It was on from when I was in the seventh grade. It ended when I was a sophomore in college. That shit lasted a long yeah. time. That shit lasted a long time. Mm-hmm. And that is a good chunk of my young adult life that yeah. that 70s show was just on the air. That's why it's so beloved yes, it to was. most people your age, Scott. And I I kind of casually yeah. watched it just a little bit, yeah. but I never really... So, so the interesting thing is that Seth and Mac both went on to do cameos on that 70s show and Macaulay Culkin famously dated Mila Kunis for years. They dated for almost a decade. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so been- all that crew was all kind of intermingling and friends and incestuous and all that. And so it's, it, it's, you know, stands to reason Wilmer is a good choice. It makes sense how we ends up involved just being right. mutual friends with right. some of these people. Uh, DJ, mm-hmm. the real DJ Kiyoki is South American, is Venezuelan, Colombian, something like that. Something his, like his that. His name's Lopez. Um, I just know he's not Mexican. He's not Mexican. He's not Puerto Rican. He's not Puerto Rican. He's a Mexican. No, so. um, <laughs> he, he's a Venezuelan or, or Colombian, <laughs> something like that. Um, and so, okay, it stands to reason, sure, we'll get Wilmer. He's the one brown guy in Hollywood in 2004. Um, I don't like Wilmer Valderrama as a person, mostly because he was <sighs> dating 17-year-olds when he was like 25. Yeah, and you also know? he's not a good actor either. And he's kind of a terrible actor. In this movie, every line out of his mouth, trash. Yeah, not trash. great. Trash. Mm-hmm. So bad. Not good. Not good. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. It was not good. <laughs> yeah. I was like, was you lucky. couldn't have gotten... Yeah, no. I mean, it was bad. Like, I... No. You're right, Pete. Will the Ramarada is trash because <laughs> don't date Lindsay Lohan when she's underage. When she's 17 um, and you're 25. Come on. <laughs> but also, I watched this movie and I was like, oh, he's terrible. Yeah, Like, so why did we have him? Like, you could have easily gotten somebody who could have done this better. I, yeah, you could have got someone but way better. Someone... I think you could have switched um, Wilson Cruz... To be Kiyoki because he's a better actor. Yeah, absolutely. And also maybe get – I don't know. I wouldn't have been mad because he reminds me of him. Um, the guy who played Angel on Broadway in the movie of Rent. Um, oh, okay. You could have thrown him in here. Mm-hmm. He could have done it. Sure. Why not? They were all fucking 20-something-year-olds well, anyway. They weren't They weren't like a co-lead on a big sitcom. That's yeah, why. yeah. That's mm-hmm. not – You got to get asses mm-hmm. in the seats. They needed those mm-hmm. names, baby. Names. Wilmer Valderrama is yeah, such exactly. a huge name. Um, um, also, <laughs> I feel miss, like – Miscast. We, like, we love Wilson Cruz on the show. My Like, huge yeah. My So-Called Life fan. Yes. But sure. also the role of Angel in this script – like unsatisfying. There's not a lot there. There's not a lot there. Yeah. Nope. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's one of those things that's unfortunate. It's like what happened in the documentary is it's Angel is used as like not even a a, 
type of person. He's used as a, a stepping stone yeah. to these characters. He's used as a device, a plot device. You know? Exactly. And so yeah. in this movie, yeah. this character that we could have really gotten to know more as a person mm-hmm. yeah. and felt for a little bit more. Yeah. We don't really His brother calls anything. him a faggot when he's watching, like, whatever yeah. the hell. And Geraldo, that's supposed to be yeah. like, ooh, he comes from this. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he becomes... Yeah, that, oh God. Here's the thing is I know that like he was a club kid. I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, you didn't know this guy at all, did you? Like you don't, that's why he's underwritten because you didn't actually, you didn't like him and you didn't know him and you decided because he couldn't give you drugs or because you got in a fight with him, you decided to kill him. Yeah. Hmm. Or he was upset because you were doing all of the drugs that he was dealing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So and and that's the thing. It's like we, you didn't you just didn't like him. You thought he was yeah. You thought he was a poser, and he didn't fit in your crew. But you still did all his drugs. Yeah. You still invited mm-hmm. him everywhere. You still you know you and still yeah, let him work. No shit, he's going to be upset with you when you when oh oh Angel, we just we just did all your drugs. Like bitch, I got to pay. Yeah. If you don't pay for it, then yeah. I do out of my fucking asshole because my yeah. suppliers. And also, here's the thing me. too: is that also I don't know how his economic situation was and not to get deep or whatever but like yeah i mean why do you think he turned to selling drugs because he probably wasn't making a ton of money anyway yeah and that was a way he could get some money where he could support a lifestyle in new york i'm like you know it's just not to say you need to sell drugs to live in new york but i'm just saying like (laughs) why do you think he turned to that because he was trying to I wished better for Angel. Absolutely. I really do. You and, know, you know, we, and, we, we get a little bit of it with, you know, when he starts to show up. He shows up and he's like, he wants to get in the truck. And Michael's like, well, close the door and then you can come next time. And then he comes next time and he's like, oh, well, you're late. The party's over anyway. And then he comes next time and is like, you know. But it's just, you know, like I said, we, we don't get enough of it. And so we don't really start to feel for or care for this character enough and it does end up he does end up being used as a plot device to kind of further michael's downfall you know we care more about michael spiraling into um overdoses and stuff Mm -hmm. than we do about it's more about it's more about james finding out about the murder than the murder happening Mm mm-hmm Exactly. Kind of. Right. You know? So it's 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 unfortunate that that happens because at the end of the day, like we said, all these people are saying all this shit. This is a fucking person, man. It's like I know he's a drug dealer, but it's like, come on. The one brown exactly. guy you got in the fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know? So I don't know. That's just wild. But, you know, we, doing the research, we said it a ton of times, but doing the research for this, we did go back and watch – the Geraldos, the Donahues. Could you imagine being these old, these older women, and you're like coming these in old from bitty blue hair, these, these old ladies that are coming in from like Jersey or something? They're gonna go see a taping of Hol- like Geraldo, yeah. And you get all these idiots. And you as get the, the club guests. kid episode. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Also, we have to say, rest in peace, Jerry Springer. I know. Oh, R.I.P. Jerry. Always. Yeah. Uh. So the the wild thing about the talk shows, uh, there's one Geraldo that's got fucking everybody. It's got Who's in the Geraldo one? Suzanne Barch. It's got, you know, Michael Musto, of course. He's in, he's in all of them. Michael Musto goes to everything they invite him to. But Suzanne Barch is there. Um, in the audience, you have Zaldi. You have um, Amanda Lepore. You have um, 
the twins from Party Girl. Hey, hey, hello. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We want, we, hey, hello. Do you have Turkish beer? We want Turkish beer. Um, <laughs> they're there. Uh, you know, Lahoma sitting in the audience. Um, all these people, oh, of course, Richie Rich. And I always forget the other guy from Heatherette because there was two of them. Um, Mm-hmm. Jenny Jenny Talia is sitting up there on the you know on the dais with them. Michael Elke is in the audience, um, but like all these people that we kind of still know, you know, mm-hmm. Rue is on yep. Rue is on the panel mm-hmm. and she's doing the whole everybody say love. She's the same bullshit for thirty years. She's just mm-hmm. sitting there. Everybody say love, you know, and they're all saying love and all that stuff. And everybody's in drag, and you know, <laughs> and there's two guys that get up and they're in business suits. And somebody else in the audience says, I don't know about those guys. I think they're plants. Because they're in business suits and they're like, we don't get it. You look weird. Well, I never. Yeah. And RuPaul is like, and you're in drag and it's, you know, all that stuff. But like all those people are there. And I was like, it's Zaldi. And I, the, only pre- the only person I did, I didn't see Matthew um, Anderson. Um, but yeah, when, I, when Suzanne Barch was up there on stage with them, I was like, okay, bitch, this is real. This mm-hmm. is everybody. Yeah. Um, I know Ricky had them on a few times. But Johnny, she, she was later. Uh, she was Ricky, later, and yeah. uh, Johnny McGothern, Big Gay Pimp, would go on Ricky a lot. Yeah, she, uh, he was kind of her like New York correspondent. Yeah, he it, was her club when it, when it, when it yeah. came to that scene. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he was the gay pimp. Yeah, <laughs> but um, all all that shit is wild, and it's all there, and it's part of that whole like this narcissistic, like everybody look at us. But then, like Scott was saying. They would sit there on stage and yeah, like... Especially Michael. And mm-hmm. Geraldo would ask them a question and they'd be like, so, you know, what's your day like? And they'd be like, oh, we get up at two and then we get ready and then we go to the club. That's it. And that's mm-hmm. it. You know, and like Geraldo would kind of let it go. Donahue wouldn't let it go. Donahue wasn't having it. Donahue mm-hmm. was like, Michael, this is a talk show. I need you to talk. And he's <laughs> <laughs> like, we need to make it interesting, Yeah, kid. yeah. God. And Michael would just like roll his eyes. And he's like, eh. Um... And I was just like, is that just him being an asshole? Like, I'm going to go on a talk show. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. I'm not going to answer their questions. Is that just like him being like, that's going to, I'm going to prank them. I don't know. I, I do love, I do love uh, the one line in Jawbreaker that brings me joy is when Jeff Conaway is talking to his literally 25 year old daughter, Julie Benz. <laughs> and she says, you know, I was watching Oprah today. And do you know what they, they were talking about? And she said, let me guess, club kids. <laughs> and I'm like, in the universe of Jawbreaker, like club kids would be on Oprah. That's Oh, funny. thank God, Darren Stein. But anyway, so I always love that too. I don't think I'm that club like, kids ever uh, went on Oprah. No, Oprah didn't. Ever it wasn't that type yeah, of show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also because Geraldo, Donahue, oh. and Ricky oh. were out of New York. Chicago. Yeah. Oprah. Oprah's in Chicago, so she wasn't having a mm-hmm. on there. Um, but yeah, all that shit is real. Like, the, the scene in the movie, they kind of pulled from a lot of different... John Stamos is sort of the stand-in for the Geraldo. Yeah. But they, yes. they, mm-hmm. they pulled a lot of different lines and different... And he's wearing things. he's wearing the linebacker, uh, mm-hmm. the linebacker look. Yeah, mm-hmm. the football, the football, the football pads, the football pads. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I feel like they also shot that on the Montel Williams set or something like that because it looked oh a little God. bit like it. Oh it my God, crazy. dead! It probably was. It probably was his existing talk show set, Montel. Oh my God, it was very gray. I love Montel Williams. Um, yeah, and Jenny <laughs> Jones. We love Jenny Jones. I remember Jenny Although Jones. She, mm-hmm. I, well, yeah, and Je- when that guy killed that guy because he like yeah. said he liked you. I, it was I, the I, end of her show. I yeah. say this every time after that happened. The show stayed on for about a year, or maybe they let the season end. She was never the same. 
She I, she always had a melancholy air about her, and I knew oh, it. I could tell. Sure. I was like, oh Jenny, mm-hmm. oh Jenny, this sucks. She, I think she kind of took a lot of that like onto herself. Like, yeah, yeah. maybe we should. And also Maury too. Uh, we also have Maury with like the bad kids and um, the obviously who's your father and all that. You're not the father and all that. Um, People also want to forget sometimes the the is it a he or a she? I was gonna say. Oh, here's this. Everybody, re- everybody remembers you're not the father, but Maury Povich was. That's a man, Maury. Oh yeah, had pageants full yes. on pageants, and I remember watching and seeing these women in bikinis going, "How in the ha-? see?" In a pre drag race world, th- the art of drag and female impersonation there was a lot of more illusion sure to the public Mm -hmm. and so things like tucking duct tape duct tape Mm -hmm. pads all that stuff it wasn't widely known so i would even see just rupaul playing basketball with a bunch of schoolgirls in a bathing suit and just go i know this is a man but how does his body look like that it's pads and it's t- tucking. It's like, oh, okay, but you just – I don't know. You just don't think about it. Maybe it's because I was like a child. But you know, all of that illusion was still built into drag. So we didn't really know what they were doing. We knew mm-hmm. they were putting on makeup and wearing a wig. But all that between me down there and RuPaul showing up in a bathing suit, completely smooth, and having hips, you're like, bitch, how is this happening? <laughs> so seeing that kind of stuff and we talk like, shows Whoa. were just this new window into that whole world that yeah. a lot of the world hadn't was not really familiar with yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think i don't know if rosie o'donnell could have had them on her show if they were still around though it's not because rosie she wasn't was that kind of it's show, not though. it's not it's not rose brand yeah she, it's not rose brand she was no. she ro was more of like a late night show Celebrity guests. We can get we yeah. can get John Cameron Mitchell to go and sing a song from Hedwig, but that's it. Yeah, that's about it, right? And mm-hmm. and also she was also the I like Rose O'Donnell. I don't care. Yeah, what no, yeah. Oh but, yeah, uh, I grew like, up on Rosie. But I'm also a kid of the '90s, 2000s, where she was like the pinnacle of the Kids Choice Awards. Mm-hmm. I mean, she yep. did like host it forever. Um, her f- brand was very much kind of friendly, friendly. Yeah, she was yeah. Spy, like she was in these things where, like, you know, tied to Nickelodeon a little bit too. And even though Nick was kind of like fun during that time, it was a little subversive. But like, yeah, no, totally. I. But her show was starting right as this thing was happening. Yeah. So there's no way they could have done that at all. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's too subversive. So okay. So I want to talk a little bit about Michael Musto. For the Village Voice. Yeah. He's in the documentary. He's not in the movie. Um, But I remember Michael Musto and just having an awareness of him as like an 11, 12, 13-year-old, mostly because of MTV. Sure. He was on Mm -hmm. uh, Sex in the 90s all the time. He was on House of Style. You would see him as a talking head a lot. Talking head mm-hmm. on everything on MTV. And then now that I'm remembering it, okay, the, the talk show appearances as well. Um, House of Style, uh, he was on a lot. But Michael Musto was a columnist for The Village Voice, which is kind of like a like – a, would you say it's like a gay – is it a gay-leaning? I don't or? think it's like gay-specific, but I think it but, is something where it's a lot more liberal. Right. It's mm-hmm. more, more for Greenwich Village. Right. Um, so it's very much talking to those people who are not – 
heteronormative and okay. all of that. Let's okay. just say. Yeah. And so he would – he was a very uh, prominent kind of figurehead in the club scene. And uh, the story goes he would hear Michael confess to killing Angel the way he does in the first five minutes of the shockumentary, right? Mm-hmm. And Michael Musto was like, you know what? Fuck this guy. This is too much. Like this has to, you know, we have, this has to come to an end. But the way that he went about it was a blind item. Oh, interesting. In the village voice. And they do it in the, James reads it in the movie. Mr. Mess, uh-huh. you know, Mr. Mess number one and Mr. Mess number two and scene, drug dealer and all Scene that. at this club mm-hmm. where one of them confessed to killing Angel. Right. So he does it as a blind item. Then the as the timeline goes, um, I have it. Hold on. Yeah, I think it was also big, too, because Michael Musto was one of these people who, even though there were probably other gay folks uh, in journalism at the time and all that stuff, I think he was somebody who at the time was very much out, which is probably how he got into this kind of thing, where he had that intimate knowledge of his focus as well. Because the other thing, too, is that Michael Musto just kind of looks like this, like, schlubby Italian guy. He doesn't really, you know what I mean? He's not like a fabulous club personality, So, but it's the thing is... He's an out gay man. He writes for the Village Voice. He's just he has access. Yeah, you know he is quippy. Yeah. You know he yes. can be kind of smart and yeah. kind of a and kind of a remnant from a from around when Warhol was sure. still involved. Because he looks in at this New York time, Nightlife. he looks older than mm-hmm. these, these. So days. he would have remembered yeah. sort of all yeah. of those central figures to New York to New York nightlife. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in in March of ninety six is when Angels murdered. In April, he reports the blind item to the Village Voice. The next day, the New York Post, which, take it with a grain of salt, page six, they they repost it. They report mm-hmm. this murder mystery. Someone was killed. And, a, and a lot of people in, in New York City read, yeah. read uh, the Post. Page six. Yeah, and mm-hmm. page six. So, and then after that, the Post and page six in particular, they kind of follow up on it more and more. But it, and this is March, or this is April. I'm sorry, he's killed in March. It's not until September that the box washes up on the shore of the Hudson, and it's not until November that the remains are identified as Angel. Mm-hmm. And then by uh, let's see, I don't know when. Michael was arrested, but it's not until October of 97, a full year and a half after Angel's killed, that they ultimately plead guilty to manslaughter and they get 10 to 20 Mm -hmm. each. We don't really know about Freeze and lots not really kind of reported on him anymore because he's not really a celebrity, (laughs) but we know that Michael was released in 2015 from 97. Uh, so that's kind of, that's kind of where the real story wraps up. Yeah. And like you were saying, it's like white guy, you know, gets to, gets to plea down, mm-hmm. get, you know, gets 97 to, uh, Oh seven to 15. Let's see. So it's a little under 15 years yeah. that yeah. he got for a crime where he literally, uh, 
poured Drano down that yeah. guy's mouth yeah. and yeah. cut him up and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and kind of, I mean, kind of underwhelming when he gets out that, like, it's not like he had these pearls of wisdom of, <laughs> like, I found the light. Like, I spent some time reflecting on all of this. I don't think a lot of that happened. Yeah. Right? He's just like, what's email? Mm-hmm. Um well, there's another documentary. Uh, what's, what's this? <laughs> With email. Um, there's another documentary about Michael after he got out. Yeah, it's on Tubi somewhere. Uh, yeah, I okay. wouldn't want to watch it unless I'm just going to hate watch it. Or <laughs> yeah, um, but that I mean, is it like is it like Michael figuring out what what stuff like Grinder was or something? <laughs> I don't know. I think it was him. I feel like it was him. Um, It's also overly long. It's like two hours or some shit like that, apparently. But I think it's more so just like him trying to figure out the world and like trying to get back into the club and all that shit, which obviously is unfortunately a dying industry anyway because people don't want to go out of the house, myself included. I don't feel like going anywhere half the time. (laughs) But, you know, yeah, it's... So, yeah, that's what he's trying to do because he had no other skills except being an asshole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called Glory Days, um, D-A-Z-E, uh, The Life and Times of Michael Alec. It was from 2015, right after he was released. Um, it says Netflix streaming, but I just did a search and it's not there. Huh. No, I think you can find it on Tubi. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't think I want to watch that either. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting of just how the just kind of club kid culture ended up evolving because it evolved to Drag Race. It evolved with yeah. WoW really capitalizing on RuPaul, on drag. I mean, Ru making drag so mainstream that it's yeah. definitely been a huge turning point in just LGBT history. Oh, absolutely. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. And I guess and I that's think, just like you were talking about earlier with people like Jeffree Star and these other people on the West Coast, I mean, it's it'd be uh, ludicrous to say that it wasn't inspired by the club kids. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Just like, like how these people were uh, definitely in, uh, they were inspired by the factory with Andy Warhol, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of those people who were the West Coast celebrities or these club celebrities or whatever, yeah, it definitely came from um, a, a uh, definitely came from those club kids and as you were saying now you have this club kid look when people say oh we're doing a club kid night you know what kind of aesthetic that is um and and all of that and you get to capitalize off it in some way i guess because you also made the show that ended up making you millions of dollars um you know so i mean of course and and so but yeah i i think it's always important and i i'm glad i was able to because I don't know if I'm going to cover this on my show because it's a little too true crime for me. And I <laughs> I don't like true crime podcasts like that. But, you know, for me, like, I definitely wanted to have this conversation with you guys because you're awesome. But, like, you know, to get that perspective yeah. and to have some other people to talk with this about. Because I do think, like you were saying, Scott, it's a movie that... It's not great. It's not very good. But it is this cornerstone of LGBT history, Mm -hmm. for better or worse. It's a very specific moment in the community. Yeah. And like Mm -hmm. you're saying, like right now in like – I would say in like queer nightlife, at least in LA, it's like who – 
if if Trixie Mattel is making an appearance, well, I'm not going to go to that yeah. because that's going to be a liner on the block, nope. you know. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you could also go to like a smaller, shittier gay bar on an off night and see somebody at a drag, and that's also like, oh shit, you know. So now our our celebrities are like these drag race contestants and these rue girls and all that. And it's like, it's almost like a, it's almost like this badge of honor to say like, Oh, well we were somewhere and we, we saw Bianca just in street clothes. Did we, and, and we were, we were sitting one table did away we from approach Bianca her? Del no. Rio. Yeah. No. And because why would I, because what, what would we say? Yeah, what we, oh, mm-hmm. hi. Hi. Yeah, you know? exactly. Hi. I'm fucking yeah. 45 years old. What am I going to go up to another person? Hi. I enjoy your Hi, work. You're, like, I like your work. You're not uh, in drag right now. You're not working. I've, you know, like, what's up? <laughs> so, you know, we, we let that one be. But it's like some, it's like that's, but that becomes kind of like a little bit of like cachet, you know, when you're like, mm-hmm. okay, a little bit of clout. Like I saw somebody at a drag or I saw somebody, you know, at a club. Maybe they were in drag, but they weren't performing. They were just kind of like hosting or walking around or whatever. But um, the nightlife scene is very kind of, it's not oriented towards drag race, but uh, when it's on, it does become a big cornerstone in like viewing parties and and all of that. Um, and it is very still tied to the club kid kind of era. I it mean, is, yeah. I mean, when we sometimes go to jockstrap or underwear night at like Precinct or the Eagle or something, mm-hmm. I always think of James St. James's. Uh, kind of Bible of how to promote a party. Oh, his little rules. That I always think of all the little <laughs> rules because I totally see all that shit of the club promoter just walking around saying hi to everybody and he's going to act like he remembers who you are and that's going to make you feel good when you go because you're just like, oh, he just made me feel special. Mm-hmm. I'm included. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's like the, that is somebody who is a good club promoter. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there are some promoters that we don't like. <laughs> the certain ones that will not. Because they're overbearing, probably. Yeah. <laughs> are not even the ones that are overbearing, the ones that just ignore you. Yeah. That I it's like. like bitch, well, that I like bitch, the one. I know you know me. I'm like, here every I like week. the one that, like, works the room and says hi to everybody. Yeah. I don't need drink tickets. I just need you to fucking acknowledge that I'm here. Oh. Oh, you guys meaning you're being a nice person to people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's really? Like, I'm f- I didn't know that. Oh, well. <laughs> Because if I wasn't here, it'd be one less body at your shitty party. And, you know, <laughs> what you want are the people in the door. And, and I'm one of them. So it's like, yeah, acknowledge us, say hi, and then move on. <laughs> we should we should probably run down James's rules of New York nightlife. Perception is reality. Always make an entrance. Uh, make sure your outfit works both in black and white. And is a conversation piece. See, but that always make sure you stand to the right or whatever. I think. I mean, that's a leftover from when newspapers were in black and white, and and Mm -hmm. when newspapers reported on society. Yes, the society Mm -hmm. pages. You know the the you know all that shit. They don't do that anymore. They don't do that for nightlife. Watch out for uh, watch out for pushy bus boys who don't know their place. That's kind of shady. Well, he was talking about Michael. Oh, okay. He was talking about Michael. Oh, oh! I thought it was like busboys. But Michael was working at Danceteria as a busboy. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he okay. was being shady. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And like you mentioned, it's all about photo placement. Always stand on the right so the caption is James St. James and, and so-and-so. Blah, blah, blah. Yep. 
No publicity is bad publicity. Once something is printed, it automatically becomes true. So never dish anyone in print. See, but that be, that now is social media. Yeah, exactly. Yes. If Don't wear white after Labor Day. <laughs> never wear white after Labor Day. See that, and avoid that one like the plague. Like the plague. See, that's James coming for money. Never wear white after Labor Day. That's his mother. That's like you're rich, you know, because nobody cares about that. Even then, um, yeah, avoid Peter Gation like the plague. Never do heroin. Never be seen drinking anything other than champagne. Yeah. Never take heroin. <laughs> Mm-hmm. All rules to live by. Yep. <laughs> these are your life. These are your life advice, kids. Yeah, there absolutely. You go. <laughs> From the movies that made us gay. Yeah, and me. Yeah, that is a seat. Just really quickly, um, James, because James St. James, you know, wrote the the book, and he was a big part of you know working with Randy and Fenton. He was a big part of making the movie, so he provided a lot of his wardrobe. But Seth Green is 5'4". He's, he's a tiny man. So, <laughs> Short king. Mm-hmm. They, Diminutive. Yes, yeah. yes. So they had to take in a lot of James. And James, when you watch even the documentary, is like, what, a 28-inch waist? He's so thin because he's probably on drugs. Um, on drugs, yeah. yes. <laughs> so he's a, a small guy at the time. But Seth is swimming in these coats. And blouses. Like, these these clothes look so big on They also apparently had, like, some of the um, stuff from the Club Kid era. Like, they brought it with the costuming. So, Mm -hmm. like, you were saying with with Seth, but, like, also, like, other people, they had the clothes. They were like, let's bring it on, and and we can actually use this authentically. Yeah. If that is true, I I appreciate that. And probably a lot of the extras were from just the New York club scene. Yeah, they're all there. At the time of filming. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um. Yeah. So they were all just like, okay, I'll wear, I'll wear our drag from ten years ago. Like mm-hmm. we still have. It. She's just like, yay! I'm getting money. Oh my right. god! I just show up. I, love that. I just show up all done up, dance, do my thing, get paid, and I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's Amanda's words to live by. <laughs> do you remember when we went to a New Year's Eve thing? I think it was going in the 2018, mm-hmm. and Amanda was supposed to be at the Globe Theater, oh, and yeah. it was so packed that we just had to leave. Yeah, we were like, fuck this. Yeah. I did not feel safe. It was mm-hmm. so crowded. It was so crazy that we we had to peace out. I was like, if anything happens, if a, a tray is spilt... I would love to see Amanda, but no. Yeah. No, nope. I can't. I can't deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. That she doesn't a- seem as like... I don't think she's as much of a piece of shit or anything. I think yeah. she's just like a... She's just you know, Amanda. She's, she's just, just in her gorgeous. own world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That was a that was a Boulay Brothers New Year's Eve event with Trixie Mattel DJing and Amanda Lepore making an appearance. We it w- Like I said, it was so crowded that I literally didn't feel safe. I didn't feel like I would be able to get out if anything happened. You know? If I had to like use the bathroom. No. The, we were in line for the bathroom for like longer than we were... They're partying. It I was mean, crazy. I mean, that's what happens when you God. put uh, no entrance fee for, for a New Year's Eve party. Yeah, it was free. Mm-hmm. It was free. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> In downtown LA. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah. We, we ended up going to precinct and partying there. <laughs> Good but, for you. Um, Good for you. Yeah. 
But, uh, I mean, this movie is definitely a time capsule. It is an interesting rewatch. Yeah. Um, if you remember this movie fondly, maybe not revisit this movie. <laughs> because I, yeah. If you want to this is like how me and Pickens, <laughs> we, uh, on my show, did a uh, Sorority Babes and Slimeball Bullarama episode. And I thought, oh, it'd be fun because he likes trashy movies and all that. Friend of the pod, Pickens. And we both just hated it. <laughs> we were just like, this movie sucks. Oh it's so gosh. bad. So I, I feel good that... I uh, I feel vindicated, and I I feel that yeah, this movie's not great. But you know what? Listen, they tried, and then they also sunk a bunch of money in this and didn't make that much back. No, which is mm-hmm. unfortunate. But it's like they they sunk money into it. Where? Yeah, where is where? it? Where? It looks like I made I it. It doesn't. Who look knows? Like, I mean, but yeah. renting that truck? I don't know. Like what? <laughs> Getting Macaulay Culkin? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like. Yeah, doesn't it doesn't look like they put too much money in it. And I, I I think a lot of it does have to do with how it was shot. Just the visual mm-hmm. aesthetic of it on video just makes it look a lot worse. Yeah, but then also put in there that I don't think it was written very well. Yeah, yeah, made yeah. by people who don't know how to direct. Yeah. It mm-hmm. just was like yeah. This, yeah this but also was... Daniel Franzese yeah. is in it, and that's really fun too. Wild. We, we were we were kind of gag at that a, a pre. Uh, Pre-Mean, Pre-Mean Girls. Girls. Daniel, yeah. yeah. Pre-Mean Girls. Mm-hmm. This is, he would think he was in Bully. I think he was probably in that. Mm. Yeah. I feel like he was in that. Past and guest of our show. And I think this is right after. Made an appearance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, I have completely yeah. forgotten. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I forgot. Like, oh, this guy. And he's also <laughs> in the rat suit, apparently, too, during his K-Turret. Okay. Like, that's him in there. Because, yeah. That's funny. I mean, story. he goes way back with, uh, with WoW. All right, work. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, work. Get that check, girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. Love he him. is the mm-hmm. hardest fucking working gay oh, man yeah. in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is. He is. He stays his ass squarely in Hollywood, and yeah, he's just yeah. like riding that mean girls train as I would. Do I mean, as come well. on. Yeah, ride it till the he wheels was on looking break at off. one time, giving us that representation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In this fucking movie, yeah. But I mean, yeah. For 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 better or for worse, I feel like this movie is flawed, and we've pointed out many of them. <laughs> but I think it was important at the time for just kind of representation mm-hmm. and and all of that. And um, it's nice to just look back at, yeah, as a little like remember remember that. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, it's currently on Wow Presents Plus, so you can watch mm-hmm. this current. Season and it's of, on Tubi and yeah, Peacock Tubi. as well, but mm-hmm. please do not pay money for this movie. Yeah, everybody, you can, <laughs> you can you can catch up on the current Drag Race Hispana and then watch Party Monster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's, fine. that's like, true. If, if you're that. already par- if you're already paying to watch Drag Race Hispana, then that's may- fine. Then yeah, but over, don't but. give this movie money. Like, don't rent it. You can find it on Tubi. It's been on there forever. So, yeah, like, yeah. just don't do it. Yeah. Like, ugh. but I will say, like you were saying, I mean. It was cool. This is a movie I really did watch when I was like a kid, like mm-hmm. a young person. And it was uh, seeing gay people. And I was like, sure. wow, that's mm-hmm. really cool. Like, you know, all right, awesome. You know, I hadn't watched the other movies before this. So it's like, it's nice to have seen that. And, you know, we'll let you do it, girl. We'll let you have it. <laughs> Neither of us have read uh James's book, Disco for, Bloodbath, formerly called Disco Bloodbath. I think it's now it's just Party Monster. Just Party Monster. I think they changed. Ugh. it. Yeah. Which he hated, by the way. He hated that they changed it. Apparently, yeah. yeah but the the <laughs> Disco Bloodbath is a better title. It is a better. It title. is. And the big the the book that Seth is holding with the with the high heel that was the original cover that I remember seeing at Tower <laughs> Tower Records. Yes. Um, 
being called Disco Bloodbath. But I have not read it, so I don't know. Maybe if it's out there, if you could find it, pick that up. Maybe that's a better retelling of this material from James. But who, but who knows? Let's go with that. <laughs> Let's who just knows? go with that. <laughs> we love watching um, This Is My Face with James St. James. Welcome to my face. Welcome to my face. And what's really fun about Transformations is that he gets to kind of interview all of these makeup artists, drag yeah. queens, people from the club scene, and just kind of have this fun little conversation as they're doing makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's shit like that. That is the longevity of James St. James, is yeah. that it's kind of branding yourself as this fun host Yeah, that a lot of them didn't have. True. And that's why yeah. James has had this kind of this interesting career. I mean, he showed up on, like, Top Model. Introducing challenges. He did. I mean, dancing down like Rodeo Drive in like a in like a floor length maxi dress mm-hmm. and and a and a sports coat, <laughs> ball headed. Yeah, yeah. James is he's he's one of the ones that's 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 getting some longevity out of it. And and what do you do? You know, when you're when you're in your fifties now, it's like you got you got to keep working. Just got to keep hustling, man. Exactly, and you're not dead yet. So yeah. I mean, shit, you yeah. make the most of it. I guess he, he may not have like any sinuses left because of all that, <laughs> and he might have a few brain cells where he's even said like, "Listen, yeah. I was doing a lot of drugs back then." Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, Party Monster. Uh, the like we said, the film is on Tubi. The documentary is not really streaming anywhere. You do you will have to rent that if you want to watch the documentary. I would say maybe rent the doc. I don't know. Is on YouTube. You bought it on YouTube. Oh, it's on YouTube. It's on. Never mind. It's mm-hmm. on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Just do that. We don't, bought it a few years it. ago. We did. We bought it a few years mm-hmm. ago. Just, I, th- I think it's worth having in our in our collection. But I can't believe it's we under it's under special interest in our iTunes. Oh, library. I thought it was under documentaries. I think it's under special oh. interest. Yeah, because it's gay, Pete. That's, that's why. That's, that's a special interest. Um, I can't believe we would have paid more than ten dollars for it though, because we might even got it for five ninety nine. But. Um, that's Pro. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's Party Monster for you, Jesse. Thank it you is. so much. Thank Do you, you want to? So I mean, we've talked about your show. Did you want to? Yeah, talk about it. Talk about it. A little oh, bit. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me on again. I'm very happy to ever come on the show and you know talk with you guys. Uh, but yeah, so my show is Cult Cinema Circle. I started it back uh, last August, and I have been producing. I've produced up to forty episodes now. I do a weekly show. So I just cover movies that are considered cult classics. So I've covered everything from Jawbreaker, Romy Michelle, Frankenhooker, um, you know, like horror movies. I have a horror movie slant, I guess, but like sure. I will cover whatever. Um, I will be having these boys on uh, soon uh, sure for will. an episode we're going to do, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be really fun on my show. And Yay. yeah, and come support it if you like cult classic movies or you like those kinds of films. I Nothing too special going on over where I'm at. You know, I talk about the movie, plot, production history, things like that. And I try to bring on some fun guests. Um, so if you want to follow the show, you can follow it on Instagram at Cult Cinema Circle. Twitter, I don't really use a whole lot, but I do have one. It's Cult Cinema Circle. And then on Letterboxd, I'm at Jesse Kremp, J-E-S-S-E-K-R-E-M-P, all one word. You can go look at my stupid reviews of movies that I do on there. So that's that's pretty much what I do. And then you can catch me on YouTube, uh, all the podcatchers, all that fun stuff. Awesome. Well, mm-hmm. we we look forward to being yeah. on your program 
very, very soon. Is. Talking about some fun I'm watching movies. a movie I've never seen before, and y'all know way more about it than I do, so <laughs> I am interested to see how that conversation I mean, you want to talk about cult movies, this is it. Yes, and influential as well, <laughs> yeah, for abso- sure. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, thank you so much again for coming on. We'd love to have you on again in the future, but until of then... Of course, I'll badger you guys. Yes, yes, please do. Until then, we, uh, we bid you adieu the old-fashioned way. Bye, friends. Bye. And thank you so much for listening, everybody. Thank you so much. Yes, indeed. I mean, we don't often do movies that we straight up say are terrible, but <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't happen all that much. I can think of View from the Top has probably been the worst movie that we've covered, but different type of movie, and also yeah, yeah. the first episode that we've had two movies that we've covered. Yes, absolutely. I like that. Yeah. I would like to do it more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, definitely fun, and I, I think these movies are still kind of worth a, a review if you haven't watched them in a while, just to just to get yourself up to speed. Um, but yeah, Party Monster, a lot of fun. But I think it's um, it's probably about that time. For the Patreon shout-outs. <laughs> for some Patreon shout-outs. Um, as always, we want to say hello. Hey, hey, hello. Hey, hey, hello. And thank you so much to all of our wonderful patrons, including Andrew, Laura, Rhett, Mitch, Thomas, Dan C, Dan H, Tiffany, uh Frank Furter, Whirly Flower Frog, Lori, Brenna, Jessa Rabbit, Lawrence, Danielle, Lisa, Alexis, Thomas, Mark, uh, Flemish Giant, Jackson, Millie, Darcy, Ted, Benny, Jamel, Melanie, Christopher, Russ, Seth, um, Alberto, Travis, Esperanza, Nicole, Chris, Susan, Barry, JJ, Amy, Leighton, Shelby, Merle, Jacob. Wait a minute. This is everybody. Fuck. Didn't do it. to do active payment. I was going to say that, that that's, that's a pretty long list. Yeah. 37. Yeah. There we go. All right. We'll start from the beginning again. Yeah. Because I don't know where it, where it went. Or just start reading them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Andrew, Laura, Rhett Mitch, Thomas, Dan C, Dan H, Whirly Flower Frog, Brenna, Jessa Rabbit, Lawrence, Danielle, Lisa, Alexis, Thomas, Mark, Jackson, Millie, Ted, Benny, Jermel, Melanie, Susan, JJ, Shelby, Michael, Heather, Jamie, Drew, Genevieve, Don, Joshua, Emlameli, Aaron, Jessica, Nick and Shannon, Christine, and finally, Ravino. You guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We have a new venture like we spoke about at the beginning of the episode. So uh, head over to Patreon to check out our um, recaps. Yeah, we're going to be doing the new All-Stars season. Mm -hmm. Our recaps to Drag Race All-Stars, that's going to be on there. And as well as all of the other supplemental material, including the monthly Watch With Us commentaries, bonus episodes, Mm -hmm. um, which are really, really fun. We record uh, commentaries as the movie is uh, playing, as we're watching the movie. So we give you instructions on how to sync it up to the movie. You can stream it. You can watch your DVD. And um, we give you instructions on how to sync our commentary to the movie itself. So you can listen to us talk as the movie's playing, which is really, really fun. Or you can just listen to it in your car, in your airpods and just listen to it as a bonus episode mm-hmm. and that's really fun as well so either or yeah we have a lot of fun ones there two ways to listen to those watch mm-hmm. those commentaries and there's over 30 of those you guys and there's yeah. more you know in uh in the hopper coming out soon so key uh 
check out patreon.com slash movies that made us gay for all that really fun stuff. Um, we'd also love it if you, you know, like and subscribe and follow the show and, and rate the show. Yeah. Write us a nice review. We would love to read Absolutely. It. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, you can give us a five-star rating. Just hit the five stars. That really helps us out. And those reviews are always really great. So leave us a, a review and um, we'll read it on an episode. Uh, you can follow us on the socials. We're at Movies That Made Us Gay on Instagram and Facebook. And on Twitter at MTMUGpod. Yes, indeed. And if you'd like to follow our personals, feel free. My name's uh, Peter. I'm at Peter Lasagna on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And I'm uh, Scott Youngballer on Instagram and follow my letterbox. Yes, indeed. So uh, until next week, thank you so much, everybody. Bye. We'll see you next time. Bye.